Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Push Dustin. And this is Memory Card. So, Push, when this episode goes live, it should be April. Yep. We're recording this currently in January, almost February, <laughs> but I kind of dread April because of all the rain that comes along with it, mm-hmm. at least here in Indiana. But I also kind of love rain because it makes me sleepy. It's very relaxing. Yeah. I guess I, I really just hate it when I have to go outside and be in it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? What's your favorite kind of weather? So I definitely like a, a little bit cool. Like, I don't like cold. I don't like feeling cold, but I like a, a little cool where I'm not like sweating or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And rain is definitely something I really like. Even if I have to walk a little bit in it, I don't mind. Um, as long as it's just like not too, you know, downboring. If it's a uh, downpour, then definitely I, I like uh, just like you. I like to be inside and, and sleeping because I feel like that's that's really relaxing. Yeah. Are you a big umbrella guy? Do you have any cool umbrellas? No. Um, so in Japan, they actually think that if you don't use umbrellas, you go bald. Like you, you will lose your hair because uh, of the hair. It's like a Asian um, superstition. And so um, when people see me, you know, without an umbrella, they're like, ah, yeah, buddy. Like, yeah, of course, uh, he, he's bald. <laughs> I, just, I just reaffirmed that. You just don't care anymore. That guy, yeah, he doesn't need an umbrella. He's already... Yeah, he's already bald. <laughs> he, he's gone. We lost him. Poor guy. I find umbrellas to be annoying to carry around. Like, I'm like... Yeah. Because you can't put them in your bag because they're wet. Mm. And you always have to leave them outside. And then when you're leaving, you have to remember, remember to take it. And so it's just like, uh, I, I hate umbrellas. Bethany, my wife, she got me this really cool umbrella that it looked like a sword. It had like a katana handle, and then it had like a sheath you could put it in on your back. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, I just lost it. I must have left it somewhere. I had it for a couple of years, and I, I loved it. But it was also mm-hmm. like I was nervous <laughs> walking around with it because, you know, yeah. people don't it know. It looks like a sword. Right. People <laughs> that, you know, you, I'm a teacher. I can't walk into school with what appears to be a weapon. <laughs> So it was interesting. It was, it was both really, really cool and kind of not great for walking around with. Mm-hmm. But all right, let's get this episode rolling. Okay, so speaking of rain and weather in general, uh, let me hit you with another question, which is, what is your favorite season of the year, Push? I definitely like fall the best because it fits in with that weather that I like, you know, where it's just slightly getting colder. Like, I love wearing hoodies. I've, I have lots of hoodies. <laughs> I, I like fall because of the leaves changing colors and just slowly going to the ground. It, it, I think fall is like one of the most beautiful seasons because it shows that everything dies. <laughs> I was going to say it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that that's when all the big video games come out. It's I mean it's it's also my birthday in fall so I think that's part of it where it's just like yay I get presents or hmm. well I guess when now that I'm older it's just like yay I'm older. <laughs> I'm older. Yeah. Closer to death just like all the leaves. Pretty soon I'll change orange. <laughs> oh no. I mean, my birthday is in mid-December, but technically, it still falls in the fall. We are both fall guys, if you think about it. We are the fall guys. We are the fall guys. Yeah, they based that game off of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I think fall is my favorite. I'm really not a big fan of winter. 
just because yeah. it just seems so miserable and dark. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I'd definitely rather be a little too hot than a little too cold. Mm-hmm. So I'll take summer over winter and fall over spring. But yeah, there's something about fall. It's just like a nice in between, like crisp, cool air. I, I'm sick of the snow. Like I used to um, go to school in Vermont and <laughs> we had snow from like October to like April because it, it was so cold. Mm. So the reason I bring up seasons is because we're going to talk about a story of seasons, the, the series and uh, Harvest Moon as well, because they are the same thing. Yep. But then again, they're not. There's some interesting uh, historical details uh, around that uh, farming series. So I mm-hmm. thought it'd be fun for us to kind of get into it. It all kind of begins with uh, this one guy whose name I'm going to mispronounce, Yashihiro Wada. And that's Yashihiro space Wada. Uh, his last name is Wada. Okay. This was a guy who grew up in the countryside of Japan, mm-hmm. down on one of the islands down there in the south. I believe it's called Kyushu. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, the, yep, the major islands. Right, yeah. And I guess, like, as a country kid, he just dreamed of moving to the big city one day, you know, kind of like the yeah. grass is always greener type of thing, or the concrete is always grayer. I'm not sure. <laughs> Well, like, um, definitely Kyushu has that Im- imagery of being, like, farm. Yeah. I mean, I, I say that like I've been there, but I haven't. <laughs> have you ever been there? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I remember uh, my first host family, like, I wanted to go to Kyushu to Kumamoto. And my first host family, they weren't very nice people. But they were like, why would you want to go to Kyushu? They have, like, only, like, 100 people there. You're like, yeah, but they're not you. Yeah, pretty much. Let me go <laughs> hang out with the cows and the nice people in the country. So Wada lives in the country as a kid. He dreams of moving to the big city. And then after graduating from college, he does just that. He moves to Tokyo, um, specifically to Shibuya, which, I mean, if you're talking Tokyo, that's about as city as it gets. Mm-hmm. Shibuya, for those who don't know, is like known for having the world's biggest, busiest crosswalk. Um, I believe The World Ends With You is set in Shibuya. Mm-hmm. And just like, I mean, there's tons of games that are also set there i think uh, persona a lot of that is also set there and uh, there's various animes and movies and stuff like that yeah think uh fashion oh yeah fashion central yeah it's very cool very cool place to explore so he he moves to shibuya city central and he's hired by this game development studio that's called pack in video which kind of reminds me of push dustin just a little bit yeah, I think if there was like an off-brand Push Dustin, it could be Pack-In Video, maybe. Mm, maybe I could uh, register that as a second uh, Twitter, uh, as another Twitter handle, because I have like six already. Right. You need another one, really. Yeah. You get yeah. up to seven, step up your game. Mm-hmm. Pack-In Video worked on both videos and video games. Like they actually helped produce some like VHS, you know, tapes and videos and stuff like that. And they uh, helped out with such classics as um, Bubsy. Claw's Encounter of the Furred Kind, mm. Battle Tank, and uh, Magical Poppin', which I guess is one of the rarest Super Famicom games mm. like in existence. I'd never heard of it, but maybe that's why it's so rare. <laughs> mm. I know we talked about that Yoshi uh, cooking game came up in a, in a previous episode, but I guess this game is even uh, harder to find than that one. So yeah, It's popping off shelves. Yes. Well, it did, I guess, back in the day. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one ever wanted to let it go. But after, you know, moving from the countryside to the city, Wada realizes that 
whoa, it's way different, you know, than he thought. He still loves it, but he's kind of yearning to go back to his childhood home mm -hmm. and, you know, enjoy the beauty of the countryside. It's more relaxing. There's a, a tighter knit community where he, you know, grew up. So he starts thinking of, you know, how can I put this feeling that I'm having of, uh, you know, wanting to go back to the country into a video game? He was inspired by games that were popular at the time, um, mostly SimCity and Derby Stallion. Mm. Are you familiar with that series? I, I know that there's a lot of those games in Japan. Right. Yeah. Because I like I was like Derby Stallion. Like I don't you know, that sounds familiar, but I don't really know it. And yeah, I looked into it. It's like a horse racing slash business simulation game. Yeah. It spans like 10 console platforms. And apparently it is. And this is what the Internet told me. The best selling horse racing series of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's sold like over 5 million in Japan. Anytime I go used game shopping, I always find a copy of Derby Stallion for like the Super Nintendo or NES. I think it was on the NES as well. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it showed up everywhere, Yeah, but he kind of liked, you know, the whole thought of like building things and taking care of animals because you got to take care of your horse so it can, you know, race well and win you money, Yeah, I suppose. And uh, so he was really pushed towards this like experienced life in the countryside, like a non-combative game. You're mm -hmm. not trying to like fight demons or anything. You're just going to grow crops. And he saw that, you know, with the success of those games like Derby Stallion and SimCity, that there was a market for that. Mm -hmm. You might not think there was, but so he took this pitch of this country game uh, to the executives at Pac-In Video, and surprisingly, it got greenlit to become a real game. But they basically said, we're going to give you like a couple of people. I think he had a team of 10, and they gave him a really small budget, and they were like, you know, just do the best you can. Like, it's great if this game comes to fruition. If it doesn't, like, oh, well, we didn't waste much money on it. Mm -hmm. The two most important people in that group outside of Wada himself were Setsuko Miyakoshi and Tomomi Yamatate. And these guys were basically like his, you know, closest allies. They were the ones who really were like backing him up. They weren't just there to get the job done. They actually like had input, you know, in the development. I should stop for a second and say that a lot of this information comes from a, a GDC game developer conference interview that wada gave in 2012 unfortunately the the game developer conference video that i found where wada was explaining how harvest moon and all of these games were originally created was completely in japanese and i don't have any friends who speak japanese oh Aww. so yeah it stinks right i don't know anybody who lives in japan nope but <laughs> luckily Luckily, I found um, this kind of a breakdown of the main points, and it was all laid out. Some guy on Reddit, whose name is Nicodemus, apparently he's part of a group called NPC Gaming, or the NPC Gaming Group, I should say. So shout out to those guys. Uh, look them up if you want to. They do have some interesting stuff about Harvest Moon. Back to the story at hand. As they were developing this initial title, the farm game, they wanted to focus on the actual act of farming, um, interaction with mm -hmm. other people in town and cattle cows yeah everyone everyone loves cows it's the year of the cow is it uh well by the time people listen to it it will be the year of the cow oh well hot diggity oh the ox yeah perfect yep. i guess he was really really focused on the whole raising cattle thing because he felt like that was kind of like a culmination of everything that living in the country represents it's like care planning and just kind of like the attachment that you grow 
to animals and people around you. Mm -hmm. They wanted to focus on the simulation, but they didn't want to give too much depth. They were worried that if they gave people too many options or, you know, it was too complicated that it would kind of scare them away because, you know, it's essentially digital manual labor. You want to try and make it fun and kind of bring the human element to it. They initially made this alpha build of the game, um, and it was basically like this little plot of land. There was like rocks and trees, and the whole mechanic was just like, let's see if it's fun to clear this land, you know, like get rid of rocks and, and smash the trees apart and stuff like that. And uh, apparently it was decently good. They were really excited with it. So they just kept adding new ideas you know, to it, trying new tools and trying new crops and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I guess eventually the game was so full that it couldn't even run properly. There was just like too much on screen and the frame rate dropped to some unplayable level. And they basically had to revert back to that alpha build again because like it had just become this huge mess. Too unwieldy. Yeah. I mean, it kind of became exactly what they had feared, which was like it was too complicated. There was too much going on and the game couldn't even handle it. So they had to return to the earlier build. And um, as soon as they did, they kind of like reset the game. Uh, they got the news that Pac-In Video was bankrupt. Oh. So it's kind of like a double whammy uh, gut punch there, I guess you could say. So at this point, they really thought the game would never be completed. But down from the heavens came the news that Pac-In Video was being purchased by Victor Entertainment who uh, merged them into their game development division that they already had. At that point, they really just weren't even sure if they wanted to keep making the game because, you know, they had been ready to pull the plug on it mm -hmm. initially, and now uh, they had to start all over with, like, new executives that they had to convince because, you know, they didn't know everything that was going on at this company that they just bought. Eventually, the team, mainly those two guys I mentioned before, convinced Wada, like, you gotta go ask for, you know, more money or more time, and see if they're down for it. And it was kind of the same response that they had gotten initially, which was, yeah, you guys can keep making this. Like, we're going to give you a little bit of money and we're going to give you like less than a year, like six months-ish. Um, so if you think you can pull it off, then go for it. And I guess uh, they just like crunched it hard. Mm -hmm. Cyberpunk 2077 has nothing on this. These guys, they were like uh, sleeping, you know, in the office, sleeping bags. Um, it kind of reminded me of um, Sakurai, because didn't he do something similar to that when it came to Melee? With Melee, he didn't take off um, any vacation for like a year. Uh, I think he took off like one or two days for the New Year's holiday. Right. And then he basically made Melee in, in uh, an extreme crunch. Yeah. It definitely reminded me of that. Like, just like eat at the office, sleep at the office, wake up, <laughs> get to work some more. Yeah, that's not uncommon for those days. Yeah unfortunately yeah they made new code they made a new script there was all this new dialogue that they wrote and after six months they finally uh, got this game done they um initially were going to call it life farm but um they decided that name was terrible and they changed it to farm story which um in japanese is bokujo mono monogatari monogatari yeah mm -hmm. that's the best i can do the problem was they'd taken so long to make this. I mean, not the six months part, but in general with the whole switching of companies and stuff that it was currently 1996 and their game was going to launch in late 1996, two months after 
the Nintendo 64 had dropped in Japan. Mm. They were really worried that everyone had kind of moved on to the next thing. But the good thing about that is that there was already like a huge install base of Super Nintendo players. Yeah. I guess the game initially sold roughly like 20,000 units, which was pretty good. But then over the next few months, it kind of like got this uh, cult following and uh, it sold around 100,000 units. Mm. That sound means that we're putting this episode on pause for just a moment so we can briefly explain how you can support Memory Card. If you enjoy our content, you can show your support by leaving positive reviews on your podcasting service of choice. Four or five stars and a few kind words go a long way when it comes to convincing others to give the show a listen, so please do so if you find the time. Spreading the word of Memory Card is very helpful. If you know anyone who's into gaming or history or both, then maybe you should consider sharing Memory Card with them or anyone that you find anywhere. Every season, we strive to reach a wider and wider audience, and you can help. If you're feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes. Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shoutouts, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com memcard. And if you think about it, If you become a patron, you'll never have to hear this ad again. (laughs) How sad. (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's get back to the show. Victor Interactive Software began looking for ways that they could, like, extend this to other parts of the world. And they came in contact with a company called Natsume in America. And they chose to uh, localize Farm Story as Harvest Moon. And uh, Harvest Moon launched for the Super Nintendo in June of 1997 in North America. And I guess, you know, I mean, obviously this happens a lot when you have a game that's based technically on Japanese uh, environments. They had to change some things in uh, North America to match up. Yeah. Every time there's an alcoholic reference, they like change it to juice. You know, people getting uh, getting a little wild on juice. Yeah, too much uh, sugar rush. Yeah. Oh man. I, there's something like that with Wario, right? Yeah. Um, in Wario Land, I think it was uh, three. It's like a penguin who threw. Yeah, there's a penguin who threw beer at Wario in the Japanese version. He gets he gets drunk. He gets tipsy. Right. And then in the American version, it's just like a ball or something, right? Yeah, it's just a ball. Because <laughs> they're just... like, oh, we can't do juice because that's too right, obvious. Right. It can't be any kind of like liquid. So it's just like, oh, man, he made him woozy. Yeah. He's, he's crazy. So. Yeah. Crazy Wario. Crazy Wario. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow. Perfect. So, yeah, they had to uh, westernize it for um, America there. They had to change some stuff like um, I think there's some temples like um, in Shinto type of things going on. Yeah. Um, you'd like pray to the god of the harvest or god of business or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some Japanese food in there that they had to swap out. Just at least they didn't call rice balls jelly donuts. But <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a background on uh, Natsume because that whole thing is like crazy. So stick with me here because it's about to get a little weird. So Natsume Co. Limited was founded in Japan in 1987. In 1988, it established an American division called Natsume Inc. 
Mm. which are about to become two completely different things. Mm. In 1995, before Harvest Moon became a thing, Natsume Inc. in North America, in California, split from Natsume Co. Limited, and they became their own things. But they both kept the name Natsume. <laughs> they're just like, I, I was the name first. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, well, I'm not giving it up. And it gets even more confusing because Natsume Co. Limited, the one that was in Japan, eventually merged with Atari, but not mm. that Atari, mm. <laughs> a different Atari that made pachinko games. So Natsume in Japan became Natsume Atari, mm. but with no connection to the Natsume and the Ataris in America. I feel, I feel like the, the CEO of that company is just like, how do I confuse consumers even more? <laughs> he just like had a cigar. It's so ridiculous. And then, I think it's even better. Then the Natsume in America says, you know what we should do? We should open a branch in Japan. So <laughs> Natsume from America makes a branch in Japan called Natsume Incorporated Japan. Mm. So you've got literally like four or five different companies with virtually the exact same name in two different continents. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is what happens when people become addicted to forming companies and not actually like maintaining companies. Well, the funny thing is there were like a few, like a handful of projects where Natsume from America worked with Natsume from Japan. So it's like, you know, developed by Natsume and Natsume, but not the same ones. Natsume and Natsume work together on this title. <laughs> exactly. And that's not even like where the whole naming thing gets. Uh, ends i should say because later on there's some issues but anyway back to the wada story kind of like you mentioned in the takahashi episode when he made katamari he wasn't planning for it to be some series you know he was just wanted to make something kind of like fun and unique and then that was going to be it and that's exactly how wada felt about harvest moon to begin with yeah but you know when you've got a hit on your hands the uh, the higher ups tend to uh, say hey how can we <laughs> More, 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 more. Exactly. How can we uh, get more out of this? So the first thing they did was they made a special version of Farm Story for the Satellaview, which was the satellite add-on for the, the Super Famicom in Japan. It, like You could beam special uh, games and content and all sorts of fun stuff to it. It's kind of weird that we haven't done an episode on that. Maybe, maybe next season. Yeah, maybe next season. So they would send out this special content for Harvest Moon, the game, that people could download. And they basically came out kind of like episodes, but you had to make sure that you downloaded them at a specific time during the yeah. week because they were only available for so long. And it was, it was kind of an interesting system. But um, So there's four episodes. First Time, Outdoor Life, Fruitful Land, and Mind! Exclamation point. Mm. We Are All Alive! <laughs> Which is pretty good until the last one, which is aim for ranch master, which as someone who's eaten a lot of ranch in his life, I can say. I, I just think of uh, yeah. Eric Andre I, with a uh, ranch, the ranch dude. <laughs> Bird up. Bird up. <laughs> hey, man, you want to hit some of this ranch? Yeah. <laughs> he is the ranch master. Yeah. So after this, you know, little spinoff, basically, they... Uh, the higher-ups were like, okay, we got to move on to the next big thing. You know, the, the Nintendo 64 is, is the hot ticket at the moment, so we want you to focus on that. And Wada basically was like, oh, cool. Like, I can finally make the game that I actually wanted to make 
because they had to cut so much stuff from the Super Nintendo version. Mm -hmm. So um, he got, you know, added more people, added more like adventure elements, and you could like bet on horse races and uh, romance. Yeah, romance people. Um, There's actually a glitch in Harvest Moon 64 where if you show the certain girl your dog 50 times in a row. It's Karen. Yeah, she'll immediately fall in love with you. Yeah, I did that back in the day. Exactly how I how I got my wife in real life. Yeah, it's very it's it's very practical. Yeah, girls love dogs. I mean, everybody loves dogs. Hold the dog up in front of her. Right. <laughs> over and over. You do that to someone at the grocery store, they let you walk out with all the items for free. Mm-hmm. Please do not try that in real life. <laughs> Harvest Moon 64 is like the, you know, ideal version, at least in his mind. And they also, they kind of split the team, which has now gotten bigger because Harvest Moon is more important. And uh, they have half of them working on 64, and they have half of them working on Harvest Moon Game Boy and Harvest Moon Game Boy Color, which are very similar games. Yeah. Which, honestly, I think that was the first Harvest Moon that I ever played was the Game Boy. The first one I played was the N64 one, actually. And it's, it's actually the only one I played. Oh, wow. That one was one back in the day that a friend had, and I was, like, really jealous, but I never, like, it never was one that I actually, like, sought out until later in life. I have a copy now. Mm-hmm. The 64 one came out, it did pretty well, and they were like, hey, you know who else needs Harvest Moon? PlayStation. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to port the 64 version to PlayStation, but, you know, we should mix it up a little, maybe add some new stuff. And basically what happened was Wada said, okay, Game Boy team, you're done with, uh, you know, the Game Boy games, and we're still working on some other things over here. Why don't you tweak Harvest Moon 64? And then that will be the new PlayStation game. And I guess he went to go check on it with like a few months left to go. Yeah. And they had changed like a ridiculous amount of things. They had basically like made characters completely different than they were in other games, like gave them dialogue and like, you know, uh, characteristics that they Mm -hmm. (laughs) didn't have. And he was kind of really upset about it, but they didn't have enough time to go in and change everything. So he was just kind of like. Eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So he's gone on record as saying that technically it is like Harvest Moon 64, but he thinks of it as being like an alternate dimension. Mm, kind of like the Majora's Mask of Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it's like a Gaiden. It's like a spinoff type of thing. Yeah. When I read the translation of the GDC speech that he gave, he, he mentioned that a big chunk of the players who, who are playing Harvest Moon games, it turned out to be females. And so he was like, whoa, like, how can we appeal, you know, to our viewers who are, you know, young girls and women? And so they made a, a spinoff of Harvest Moon Back to Nature mm. um, that was just called like Harvest Moon for Girls. So it was essentially the exact same game, except for the suitors were men, and you were a girl and gender swapped. Yeah, exactly. Back to Nature for the original one was in 1999. Um, Back to Nature for Girls was in the year 2000, and I guess both of them were eventually re-released on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Portable, Mm -hmm. and um, that version was remade for Game Boy Advance as Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town, which I didn't know. I didn't realize that that game was a remake, and that game got a remake on the Switch not too long ago, but I believe they changed the story of seasons. Yeah. Because here's where things get kind of wild in that regard. Talked about the whole Natsume, Natsume thing, which is confusing. Split. Right. Harvest Moon becomes like a 
classic series. They keep making games. They make games for it for the DS and the 3DS and, uh, you know, the GameCube, the PS2. All of them get Harvest Moon games. Eventually, Wada kind of steps back. He goes into more of like a supervising role in the games. And then he actually exits completely from, from the company and goes to make his own company where he can develop his own games called Toybox Inc. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Victor Interactive Software, which had bought Pac-In Video, changed their name to Marvelous Inc. And um, in 2014, Marvelous Inc. says, hey, we're going to move our localization process of the Harvest Moon you know, farm story games away from Natsume and to our own subsidiary, which is called Xseed Games. Mm. And Natsume is like, whoa, that's like one of, if not our most popular, you know, series that we've ever made. Yeah. And so even though they took the game away from them, they said, we own the rights to the Harvest Moon name. So we're just going to start our own development company and we're going to make our own Harvest Moon games. And we're literally not going to tell anybody like that it's changed, that these games are not coming from the same developer that they used to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is ridiculous. So they made their own development studio called Tabit Inc., and they continued to release Harvest Moon games. And the people who made the original Harvest Moon games, you know, the farm story games, were forced to change the name of their series to something else in North America. And that's when it became Story of Seasons. Mm. So if you see a Story of Seasons game in the North American market, that is a Harvest Moon game, technically. And the new Harvest Moon games aren't harvest moon games yeah not officially well not 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 spiritually yes yeah it's not technically the same series um which is super confusing like i remember when story of seasons was announced i think the first one came out for the 3ds and i was like man like what a harvest moon ripoff (laughs) (laughs) oh wait it is harvest moon and there's still Story of Seasons games that are coming out, and there's still Harvest Moon games that are coming out. I mean, by the time this episode goes live, there should be a new Harvest Moon game out called Harvest Moon One World. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Story of Seasons has had games come out in the past year. It started out as Farm Story in Japan. It became Harvest Moon in North America. And then eventually it had to be switched back to a different name, to Story of Seasons in America, and Harvest Moon like broke off on its own, which is kind of funny because that's what Natsume did. They were like an extension of something else, and then they were like, you know what? (laughs) Forget you. We're going to go do our own thing. It's all karma. Yeah, whoever runs that business is just kind of keeping that that mentality alive. Mm -hmm. So that is the the basic breakdown of the story of uh, Harvest Moon. Wada just wanted to have kind of a nice, relaxing game where you can go and, and interact with people in the country and raise some cattle. And it ended up being this this big hit series. So I suggest if you're listening to this episode right now and it's not raining outside, then maybe you, uh, you know, go go for a drive in the countryside or take a walk. Try to pet some cows. Yeah, pet some cows as long as you're not uh, trespassing too far into someone's uh, land. Maybe deliver a baby calf if you get the chance. Uh, just uh, carry around a dog. Like, it doesn't matter what dog. Like, <laughs> right. it could be like a, a husky. Mm-hmm. Just carry it around. Yeah. Borrow your neighbor's dog and go show it to a lady 50 times in a row. Yeah. And Or just, you know, you could do it virtually, too. You could just pop in Harvest Moon or Story of Seasons and give that a try. That's probably better and safer. 
That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his bangin' beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting MemoryCard on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early ad-free episodes. These awesome people include Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Tyler Davis, Jose Acosta, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Ray Schneider, Nick Callis, and Shala. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.